You're listening to This Is How, a podcast about people forging digital careers for people who are taking the time to figure things out. Whether you've just left school, college or uni, or you're already in a job, but you're not really feeling it, we've made a podcast series for the tips, ideas and free advice from people who have been on similar journeys, changed things up and gone on to work in digital roles with some of the most interesting brands in the UK. I'm Will Stowe, proudly from Hackney, an air and shoulder to those around me. I work for Sneakers as a co-host on Sneakers Live. We have regular live streams to talk all things sneaker culture. I also write poetry, make music and throw parties in my spare time. I'm Zoe Mallet. I'm a life coach and radio show host. My coaching focuses on helping people figure out where they are, where they want to be, and then we work out how we're going to get them there. I also have a radio show on Foundation FM, which allows listeners to message in with all their problems. And my guests and I offer our professional advice and tips live on a mix with some bangers. We are sat here with Samuel Oshinuga from Epic Games, who is an animator. Um, and, you know, thank you very much for sitting down with us on the This Is How podcast with Zoe Mallet, myself, William Stowe. So, Sam. Hello. We um, asked you to prepare two truths and a lie. <laughs> And we ask all of our guests to prepare um, this because we feel like it really helps us get to know you. So um, what are your two truths and a lie? And Will and I are going to guess um, which one the lie is. So the first one is, the, the three, three are, my first kiss was at the age of four. I've never owned an iPhone. And I got the second highest score in a statewide primary school exam in year six. So you see that iPhone one, yeah? It's a tricky one because I know a lot of people in tech that hate Apple. Mm. Yeah, or like working gaming or something like that, really hate Apple. So that could be true. Yeah, so that could be true. Um, What was the... I know you said first kiss at four. Yeah. As in like your first like like snog? No, but that's a... (laughs) I feel like that's a bookie one. Because you know why? Do you know why that's a bookie one? It could have been like kiss... um, to like a sibling on the cheek or something like that. I think, I think the lie is the iPhone. And what was the last one that you, you scored the highest? I got a second highest score mm-hmm. in a statewide exam okay. in primary school. I feel like that's true. Six. Again, like he's Nigerian, so like parents are like, so you better get the highest score, mate. Like, Don't do bees in this house. So yeah. Second highest, not highest. The second highest. Oh, yeah. You probably wouldn't have lived to tell the tale, so you probably. I reckon. I reckon that's true. You reckon that's true? Yeah, I reckon the iPhone is a lie. We don't have to choose the same one though. I know we're on the same team. I know. I know. I know. All right. Give me five minutes. No I'm joking. Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think the iPhone one. Yeah, iPhone. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. iPhone. iPhone is the lie. Sam, will you reveal the truths? I have owned an iPhone. The first iPhone was the iPhone 5, I believe, or 4S, I can't remember. But yeah, I've owned an iPhone 4S, a 5, a 5C, a 6. <laughs> oh, like a little tricky one there. Okay, I like what you did there, Sam. I like that, I like that, I like that. Talk to us about this um this high score that you got. Second high score. Second high score. Second, well, essentially... So it was an exam, t- uh, I think it was to get into either secondary school or something, or just like, I can't even remember what it was, because I was nine years old. But it's done at the same time <clears throat> across the entire uh, state. 
And when in my graduation for that year, when I was in year six in the graduation, just so happened that the three of us who got the highest score were in the same school. Okay. So I, I actually didn't know until the time. So they just called myself, uh, the late, the girl who got the third highest and the girl who got the, the highest score. And we just like went to collect an award for smartest kids in the state or something. That was, it was very cool. But it was just simple math, um, English and science, as you probably. Just like, just everyday stuff. Yeah, just impressive. Just math. Just, just math. <laughs> just, just math. <laughs> Algebra. Yeah. Pythagoras and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Just, just light stuff, yeah. And and tell us about um your first kiss. Oh, okay. Oh, it's a simple thing. We're just playing doctor. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Yeah, what is that? Tell us about this game. <laughs> so um she was older. Oh so she <laughs> so she she knew what she was doing. <laughs> what I, all I remember is Doctor, my husband's not feeling well. Um, he, and I'm playing the husband. <laughs> uh, and then she tells the doctor, who I think is her sister at this point, uh, <laughs> that, oh, I'm not feeling well. And then the doctor says, oh, what, what's wrong? He says, oh, he hasn't been blah, 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 blah. And then she says, oh, okay, maybe kiss him. You might feel better. And uh, that's how I feel better. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> Tell us about like your upbringing. I, I understand that, you know, you born in Nigeria. Um, and talk to us about like you know um, what it was like growing up in Nigeria. I'll preface this by saying we came to the UK when I was twelve, so my memory at this point <laughs> kind of hazy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, main the main things really with growing up in Nigeria is at least I was fortunate enough to be uh, to have parents who sort of at least wanted to provide as best as they could for myself and my brother because we're at that point at least for a, for a long time it was just myself and my younger brother because my older brother was like in um college and often boarding school and then the baby brother wasn't born until like a year or two before we came to the uk so it was just literally myself and my brother getting into trouble you know watching satellite television uh when my parents eventually got satellite television uh we lived quite sheltered lives uh if i should say that because my dad was a at that point, he was working, he was like high up in the police ranks. So he didn't just want us to you know, play with just anybody, I guess. Uh, and my mom was also in the magistrate court. So she was also, you know, handling like quite severe and quite, sometimes you like have like cases that were quite, uh, how do I put this? Not delicate, but high up cases so high profile cases high pro yeah thank you thank you high profile cases because of those things we were quite protected in a way um but i mean found my my niche in cartoons and playing with my brother wrestling with my brother practicing wrestling moves <laughs> those <laughs> kinds of things so you like basically that you said, obviously you said that you know you lived in a sheltered kind of like way because your parents were like maybe just kind of saving you from the ills of the world possibly essentially does that mean that you guys were able to kind of create your own worlds through like watching cartoons Definitely, and obviously yeah. fighting with each other watching probably wwe at the time or wwf it was at the time and all that kind of stuff yeah it was wwf at the time actually definitely like i remember the most creative i guess that i could say we were <clears throat> was um we had a 
and bear in mind, this is Niger, <laughs> a palm tree in the back of our house. Um, and because I don't know if palm trees grow in the UK. I don't no, think I they think, do. I actually think there's one like, I can see one. In, my neighbor's got one in their garden. But a maybe palm tree? Just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the facts. I'll ask. I'll get back to you both. <laughs> <laughs> she said that. Uh, so I remember at some point when we see that the palm trees are like ripe enough or sturdy enough, we'd break some of the branches and then we'd make uh, weapons, weapons in quotes. So we'd like put them together and like it might make a gun or we'll put them together, break some bits off. And then we, I don't even know how we found nails. But we managed to find nails and I can't remember how we found nails. And then we'd like nail them together to form like a sword. And then we play, I don't know, some kind of shooting thing or like a sword fighting thing. Uh, and when our cousins came, I think we played with them as well because our cousins used to come sometimes. So yeah, we definitely factioned our own like creative, uh, well, yeah, our own world of just fun and just childish stuff. So when was it then that you first became interested in animation? Uh, I'd have to say probably when I started it sounds weird now, but it has to be when I got fixated. And this is as I said, when, when I got fixated on this episode of Pokemon. Uh, and it was just random because at this point, we'd have been watching cartoons. I'd watched Scooby-Doo, Eddie and Eddie, Dexter's Lab. Uh, yeah, it was excellent. <laughs> uh, Cow and Chicken, I Am Weasel, all those ones. But then at some point, we traveled to my auntie's house. And then Pokemon is on. And I remember just not even, okay, I remember not remembering anything else besides that. That's just how, that's how I know that it was just kept me. I just stuck watching Pokemon Go. I know, so not Pokemon Go, Pokemon. And then after that, I started watching Digimon. And then it just like spiraled from there. And that's when it's just like everything cartoon was just um, a thing that just drew me. Like the way they moved, the way they talked, the wacky way they moved. So much so that I think some people now say that I have a funny, I make funny expressions. And that's just because when I watch something, it's so easy for me to start mimicking it, sound and visual. <laughs> if I should say something like, okay, let's just say Lion King, for example. <clears throat> you've, seen, you've seen the movie and you've seen the animation. If I should use those two as animation styles, because let's be honest, live action is animation, it's not really live action. If we're to talk um, technically, um, the animation style and the proper 2D drawn animation, they're quite soft expression. All their faces, you can see the expression when they're sad, they're sad, when they're happy, they're happy. The way they move is quite dynamic and is very strong. Whereas the quote unquote live action one, they try to be more down to earth. They try to be more real. They try to move differently, like real lions would or real hyenas would. When they spoke, they didn't really have that much expression on their face. Those are like two distinct animation styles. So like if we're trying to go more cartoony, you do something like the 1992 Lion King. Or if you're trying to do something more real, more down to earth, you animate something like the 2019 Lion King. I remember what year it came out. Uh, yeah. So, so, so it's like a difference in theatrics, basically, and how. Yeah, yeah, but at least with the motion, mm. definitely a difference in in the, in the theatrics. Because if one moved more realistic, you'd 
but it, if you see something that doesn't fit with what you thought it was trying to do, you'd be like, oh, that's a bit weird. Or if in the live in the animation one of nine nine two, they suddenly started floating in the air and bobbing along, you'd be like, huh? Are they trying to do something different? And if it's not like a song or a sing song where you know that they're just doing that, yeah, yeah. Going, yeah it it it'd strike you as weird. So those at least that's the best way I can try and explain like technically the differences visually in like one animation style to another animation style. So what was your journey then from realizing that you wanted to go into product design um, and then kind of like discussing that with your parents? Uh, uh, the journey in that it's, well, it was, it's a pretty quick one. So when you, no, when did you do GCSE? At the end of year nine, right? Yeah. So at the end of year nine, when I wanted to pick my course, Initially, it was going to be my options. It was going to be music, graphic design, and geography, if I remember. Then I found out that my music teacher that I actually liked was going to, was just going away. I was like, okay, well, I can't do music now because the only reason I wanted to do it is because the teacher was so nice. <clears throat> so I then changed it to graphic design, geography, and something else that I can't remember. For reason, um, I told in air quotes my parents because I mean they were just like, "Oh yeah, this is what I want to do in GCSE before my GCSEs," and they were like, "All right, cool." Uh, and then carried on doing product design, and that's when I did ask my. That's when I found out that oh, um, you don't want to be an architect if you want to do different sort of designs. You want to be a product designer or an industrial designer, and that was in year. At just about the end of year 10, when I wanted to know, when I wanted to make sure that, okay, when I'm going for my A-levels, I definitely picked the right course. And who was it that you were, like, speaking to to get advice um, about, like, the like the idea that you had of what you wanted? Oh, that was my tutor, definitely. Because, oh, I, I guess I was lucky enough that my tutor was also the graphics products teacher. So I guess if she wasn't my tutor, I would have asked her anyway. So I asked my graphics products teacher, the tutor, uh, to be like, okay, so this is the creative thing going to do. You're a creative person. At least you're our creative lessons teacher. I think you might know. So I asked her and she told me, oh, okay, yeah, you want to be an industrial designer. I, I honestly remember that conversation thinking, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell my <laughs> So then that took you up to... Um... Uh, your GCSEs and your A-levels and then what kind of happened post A-levels? Okay, so I, I ended up not doing A-levels. I did a B-Tech and a B-Tech because B-Tech gets your hands dirty in a sense. Uh, at least from what I heard, B-Tech is like <clears throat> the vocational courses, but at least with the vocational courses, you get to you get to do, do more practical work. And with product design, a lot of it is practical. A lot of it is um, doing prototypes, making prototypes, working with tools. And I didn't hear that there was a lot of that with A-levels. Like, like it could be different now, but it's back in 2000 and something. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the case. So I did a BTEC. Um, I think I actually put that down as one of... Actually, no, I didn't. I did, did a BTEC um, in Kingston College. Shout out to Kingston College. Uh, and did really well because I did really like the stuff. And if I 
should add this at this point, and maybe we can come back to this. That was the first time I saw computer animation. I just didn't know that I'd go into it in the end. So in my classroom, if I should say so, in the BTEC, we our room, the room where we used the belt was not right next to the computer animations room. And every so often I just like poke into the door just to see what it was they were animating or see what they were learning. Um, but obviously that was just like an arm's length. What I was focused on was you know, learning Photoshop, learning the principles of you know design, how to do a, make a prototype, how to make concepts, how to go from you know idea to uh, conceptualization to you know uh, rendering and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was the first time I actually did see computer animation. So it seems like you making that decision on not doing the A level and going for the B tech is quite a pivotal thing, and I think that's very important that you made that decision for yourself and wanted to get hands on with like your your um your knowledge and like your just kind of practice before you went into what you was going to do next yeah because i believe having the best paving the most accurate or at least the best pathway for yourself in what it is you want to do helps a lot because if the foundation isn't great it's not going to lead most anyway you've been listening to this is how created by nominate and liberty if you've enjoyed this conversation and you're feeling inspired to develop your own digital skills, head over to thisishow.uk where you can find more information on all the helpful tips and advice shared on today's podcast, as well as trying our new This Is How quiz to uncover more about what you're good at and what job roles could be a good match for you. And what was your journey then from moving from like product designer into animation? Um, oh, it was essentially uh, by final year. I felt like I I needed a change from pro design. <laughs> this is a bit weird. When I started VTech, the room directly next to me was a computer animation lab. And I guess because I really liked animation at that point, I just kept every 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 morning where we were just like stuck in the hallway because the you know, lecturer wasn't there yet. I just hover over to see what it was they were doing, what they were animating, and then I go to placement here, yeah? and then the guy that I'm working with, he's really into movies, and I'm really into movies, really into film, I'm really into film. We talk about film, why we like it, why we don't like it. We went to the cinema to watch King Arthur, the one that Guy Ritchie did, which people didn't like, but we both loved. There you go. Um, <clears throat> we, you know, we spoke about why it was good, why it was great, and then I started in placement yeah, I started watching why certain films are good why certain animations are great, why, you know, this film is bad, why certain animations are bad. I started, and that was just for fun, you know, because obviously my work was designed. So I was just looking at animation and film theories and animation breakdowns just for fun, because I was like, eh, I like it. And I, oh, so yeah, that's why this worked. And that's why that worked. Whatever. <clears throat> Move on to final year. And it's just like my love for, you know, this media industry is growing and my love for design is staying the same. So it's just like, because it wasn't necessarily dropping so much as it didn't grow. If it didn't grow and something else is growing. Mm -hmm. I just thought, well, I don't want to go into this industry and do the thing that I told my dad that I didn't want to do, which is be unhappy. Um, 
And so, and then obviously there was a thing with the, uh, I say, I say this to people, uh, which is nothing against design, but it's more for me because there are some things that some people can handle and some people can't handle, you know, all our, you know, strengths and weaknesses are different. So for me, I understood the constraints that animation had or media these had, and I understood the constraints that uh, design had. And I was more happy with the constraints media had than the constraints design had. So because of that, I was like, okay, I need to change. I like film. I like animation. I like cinematography. I like everything to do with media. I just like watching stuff and being and having like the eye-gasm. <clears throat> I want to say that and this is not like I'm sponsored by anyone, but this particular anime, One Punch Man, really blew my mind when it shows. <laughs> really blew my mind when it came to um, just action set piece and movement on screen, like. Okay, like if you ask me what my best or favorite anime is, I'd say Naruto because I grew up with Naruto, and like I grew up like so from when it was a kid to when it be when it was fulfilled as a character, I grew up with it. But when it comes to like, and then obviously like so with the dynamics of the movements in Naruto, like I appreciate that. But for some reason, One Punch Man was just so different, but still similar. So, and this was I. I stumbled upon it in my final year of design when I was already sort of like definitely like swaying away from design and going into animation. So that kind of kicked me in the, in the, in the stomach to be like, just, you know, there's something in animation, look, look into it. So one evening I'm sitting in the design lab of computer labs with this dude that I barely spoke to in second year, but we were mates. And he's thinking about doing a master's in design. And I'm like, master's? No, huh. I didn't think about that. And that was it. Literally, because if I wasn't in that room, I probably wouldn't have thought about doing a master's. It's so weird. So you, you had the passion, you had the curiosity, you had the education. How did you kind of take all of that and then move into, into like working? Like how did you get your, like land your first job? Oh, <clears throat> well, this goes to, I guess, another tidbit. Apply for every job. <laughs> <laughs> and I say this knowing that, I say this because when I applied, uh, the phone call I got from the company wasn't, oh yeah, we really like your stuff. Um, we'd like to invite for an interview. At least it wasn't, that wasn't how she, uh, they, they started the conversation. It was the first thing that she, uh, they told me was, oh, you applied for the wrong thing. So <clears throat> the job posting was for uh, an animator. It didn't say junior or senior, just an animator. And some, obviously, sometimes there are ones that say three years experience, two years experience, whatever. When it's not ridiculous, like five years experience, I just apply anyway. <laughs> Honestly, because with animation, yes, you know, understanding the principles of design and having the educational background helps. But if you can actually do the stuff, it's a, it goes a long way. 
So if your portfolio shows that you can do the thing, you at least get an interview and then they want to see you actually do something to do the practical uh, animation test is what they call it. Um, but showing in your portfolio that you've got the stuff that you can actually animate. Sure. So yeah, I literally applied for everything that I came and the one that I applied for was the wrong one. I got a phone call saying, oh yeah, um, that was really, uh, we saw that you applied for this one. It's actually um, not the right position because we saw that you're obviously coming, uh, graduating, but we do have you know, an opening. That, that was, yeah, that was it. Like, but we do have something, do you want to come for an interview? Yeah, oh yeah, I do what I like to do. Definitely like to come for an interview. Um, and that's that's it. Okay, cool. So yeah, uh, yeah. If you could talk us through like the interview, what you think would be really good for people um, to know? I can't say what the other interviewees did, but I know for a fact my understanding of the principles of animation made me approach the test in a different way or in a way because I know I say that because when I when uh, the guy who sort of like helped us with like helped to set up the test and was like reviewing the stuff um, who essentially trained pretty much half the animators in the in the office um, in facial animation he was like oh, okay so I saw you uh, you did you you did it this way. You you focus more on like easing in this and doing this and doing that. And then they because of um, animation, it's more time. Like how good how good you can do in as as fast a time or as short a time as possible. And I was able to do a lot within the time, but do it well. And again, I only I was able to do that because I knew that okay, the importance of this is to. I'll just use the animation terms, but I don't know what to say. Is to ease into this kind of uh, shape more, ease out of it better, uh, go into this a lot more harder, um, or go in softer, peak here, and drop there. All that kind of stuff I knew because I had the, at least my for myself, I had the educational understanding of it. Um, so on the day, we get there in the morning, they tell us what the test is, they give us... Six hours? Yeah, six hours. And you have to do it with six, there were six other people there? Yep. In like one room, all doing it? Yep. And then in the middle of the, of the six hour test, that's when they pull you aside to, you know, talk to you, at least to talk to us, um, talk to us about like, you know, what, what I think the generic questions kind of. There's another thing as well, which I guess I can say for the interview process is, uh, it's good to be in, to be free to express yourself, and I can only say this for the animation industry. I have no idea for any other industry, but when because in animation there is a we when we when we want to animate <clears throat> a particular shot, and if it's especially not an easy shot or an easy movement or an easy motion, you have to you have to look for references and. It's usually said that, you know, the best reference is yourself because at least if you know the intent of the shot and you know the intent of what's supposed to happen, you can act in a way that helps you look at the reference. So because you're supposed to be expressive anyway, you know, in your referencing for your own shot, 
in the interview process, at least I was allowed to be expressive. And I say this because in me trying to explain one of the things that I found, you know, could be done better in animation, the only way I could do that was if I was to get up and do the motion. And naturally, one might be shy to want to just in the middle of a conversation of like hoping you get a job, just want to get up and move around and do stuff. But you know, I just asked them, can I get up and show you the thing? And they were like, yeah, yeah, go for it. So being able to, yeah, <laughs> being able to just like not get out of your shell per se, but express yourself as you would if you're having your animation reference. Uh, and where do you learn like new things? Is there, do you have like a, is there like a community group? Is there like online forums? Do you read like articles? Like where can you like learn new skills about not just the technical side, but also like the industry? Okay, so the two main platforms I'm on for those kind of things are LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn being the more, the more versed into the animation side of things, particularly if you follow the right people. Um, because the people you follow can put on their work and then you see that they're connected to this one. You can, is it follow or connect? No, it's connect and LinkedIn. You connect to, and then at least I go on link, I go on my LinkedIn profile and I can show you like the, in the first five things, at least three of them would be something to do with animation, either the news or just references or just um, what we call animation breakdowns is people just like showing why this particular animation is good by looking at the principles of animation, appeal, motion, squash, stretch, uh, framing, all that kind of stuff. And Twitter, again, by following the right people, is like, a, I guess it's a quite, well, not an underdog, but it's a, one I didn't expect to have that much, at least with animation. I didn't expect it to be so as rich as it is. Okay, so in terms of the groups, or no, the platform, so because you, you frankly said the word, it's a... Yeah, like forums or like community groups or... Forum, yeah. Um, there is um, Anim Challenge, um, and that's just like a thing where monthly people, they, there is like a particular theme for the animation challenge. So I think the last, the last month was uh, Escape. So they had to, people had to animate around escaping and you, and then they have a 10 to 12 seconds, I believe. Uh, so you have like that range and then you submit your animation. It could be 10 to 12 seconds longer. It could be shorter. Um, and then you get to see different entries and you know, different interpretations of just escape. Some people, uh, I think one of the ones that I found really fun was some guy had a two characters one was in a motorbike one was in a car and the motorbike was trying to escape from the car and like the way that he was able to you know uh, play around with the motorbike and the mechanics of the motorbike he was jumping on the motorbike and jumped on the car and jumped back on the motorbike that kind of thing he's like whoa this guy is really good <laughs> and then it's like because anyone can enter it could be someone with five experience or someone with three months of experience but you get to see the different ranges you can study them yourself see uh, with your own understanding of animation and be like, oh, this might not be good. And then at the end, it's reviewed by experts. Uh, yeah, experts. And then you can see the breakdown. Then you can understand, okay, why this one works so well. Um, 
And at least it's not just it's not just you looking at just any random animation and trying to decipher it yourself. You're also hearing from you know some some experts. And so that's animation. There is a frame by frame. I think they're on Facebook as well. Uh, but that and that's just them breaking down animation. And oh my god, they've got a lot. They've got one. They did the one on like this 3D animated avatar. And then frame by frame, I think it was last month, did like a breakdown of someone who animated it. And bloody hell, they animated it so well. Like it's like a, basically they took the 2D animation and put it in 3D and it worked so well. Makes me want to see a 3D animated Last End Bender film. And you, you've mentioned um, facial animation. Can you explain what that is and maybe give us some examples of like what uh, we would have seen? Okay, I'll start simple. Facial animation is essentially just focusing on the movement and expression of the face emotionally through the eyes and the upper face and uh, visually through the shape of the mouth just to see whether the shape you're making with your mouth is readable as the particular sound it's making. So um, not to go too technical, but the main shapes that these that are very easily easy to miss and easy to identify are Fs and MBPs, FEs and MBPs. MBPs be mainly because your mouth closed when you're making any M P or B shape. Your mouth always close before you make the actual sound. M B P. Fs and Vs because your lower lip pretty much always goes underneath. Let me say an F B. So they are easy to identify, but because they're easy to identify, if they're not done properly, it's hard to read whether you're saying a V or a V or whatever it is. So facial animation make sure in facial animation you make sure that those key things as well like you're able to you know read and you're able to put in there are other parts of it but those are like at least the ones that to me are very easy to you know identify um so in facial animation we just focus on making sure everything's readable from the way from eye dots to eye movement to blinks to the eyebrows make sure if like it's sad it's purpose sad the ones that are very hard are subtle ones, where it's like you're not angry, but you're a bit miffed. So you're not fully raging, but then you're not fully, you know, like nonplussed. You're just, and those are hard because you're, the thing is it takes the tiniest of um, uh, distances, like how you raise the, the corner of your, of your mouth and how you drop the corner of your eyeball to just tell that. And facial animation makes sure, in facial animation, we make sure that we get those ones, right? Because they really help to help the emotion read as that thing, because as humans, we can see it very easily. But when you're trying to animate it, it's so subtle that you can be off by millimeters. I've literally done it. I've literally done it in animations where all I had to do was tweak it by, at least in my computer screen, just tweak it by dropping it down. If I had a ruler by two millimeters and it read, then that's just uh, what facial animation is. So facial animation is a lot more, mind, uh, it's a lot more, uh, is it macro? In that sense, 
and and and, and, that, and that's different from body animation, which is just more of like big movements of your body. And um, in terms of like your team, how do you all come together? Because you've spoken about like when you work on like scenes and when you work on projects. Yeah. Is that like how much of that is teamwork? Um, so how much of it is collaborative and how much of it is individual? Um, it's pretty much all individual when we're just following the direction of the lead of the project. So they set the tone. Is there's like just one animation that sort of like has a broad a range of expressions that we can use to say, oh, so this is what it looks like when she's angry. This is what it looks like when she's sad. This is what it looks like when she's um, shouting. This is what her mouth shape looks like when she says a particular M or B, because again, we're all different. So the way Will might shape his M will be different than the way you might shape your own M because it might take you longer or it might take him longer. And so we know that, oh, okay, so this is how this character does kind of thing so we have that and then it's up to you as an individual to make sure that you're matching that so it's more individual in that sense because even though yes we're all working with the same sheet it's not like um, at least for now anyway i'm working from home it's not like i'm peering over at the other guy saying so what's this yeah like let me see what you're doing and in any case even if i was in the office we might not all be working on the same thing, even though the person sitting next to me are working on animations. I might be on a different project than the guy on my left or the guy on my right or the lady on my left and the lady on my right. And just quickly, where might people have seen some of the work um, that you've kind of worked on and, and helped produce? Oh, uh, yeah. So I worked on Spider-Man Miles. There's another one. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, House of Ashes in the Dark Pictures Anthology. So, like, there's a particular scene or cutscene where uh, Peter Parker and Mars Morales are just about to fight Rhino. And I remember this vividly because it was literally my first shot in when I worked, when I started working on the thing. Oh, my, yeah, my first shot. Uh, so, it was a scene where they were about to get ready to fight Rhino. And Peter, the more experienced Spider Man, his pose getting ready to fight wasn't believable as somebody who is experienced in fighting because it just sent us the data. Like it's our job to actually put some life and some character into it. So the lead was like, um, yeah, that doesn't work. We need to change it. So I ended up with a Bruce Lee. So I just, I just went to look at Bruce Lee references and Bruce Lee poses. And I just like, okay. Um, because Peter Parker himself, is a bit of a wacky character and he's, you know, he can be funny that way. He could have seen something and just like, cause you know, Peter Parker is quite eccentric in his own poses. So I was like, all right, cool. So I made a Bruce Lee pose. Uh, he saw it. It was like, okay, yeah, he changed it. Like, yeah, it changed the Bruce Lee kind of thing. We sent it off. They kept it in the game. So I was like, <laughs> they kept it in the game. Uh, so if you watch just before he and they and Ryan are fighting the cutscene, he does this kind of like Bruce Lee, um, one arm up, one arm down. So let's move on to uh, the CV section and um, wrap up. So we have your CV here. And what we like to do is um, we like to kind of ask you a few questions about your CV. Um, and we pretend that we're going to potentially employ you. And then at the end, we decide whether we're going to employ you or not. <laughs> so can you please tell us what your career highlight is? Um, so basically, since I've been able to work on Spider-Man game, um, 
which is literally my was literally my dream coming out of masters because i based my masters on spider-man um so it, it seems like i peaked early but you know i'd like to work on another spider-man game but th- the fact that i've been able to get there so quickly in terms of like the working on spider-man Miles Morales wouldn't be like the highlight of my career and i've only just started it's only been a year and 10 months <laughs> and what would you say your uh best failure has been best failure um <laughs> so when i was still an undergrad um we had to do this project the theme of the project was 100 million bottles so we had to design a hundred a bottle that could hold 100 milliliters of liquid and it could be water or any kind of liquid so i went for a perfume or cologne and i based mine on the arsenal uh trophy the invincible trophy <laughs> so after i did the whole design i did a prototype i thought to myself you know what let me see if i'm interested in doing a collab uh so i said i wrote an email put the pictures of the prototype send it off to an email address for i can't remember what email address sent it but i tried to find an email just like sent it, like either customer service or something for arsenal sent it off never heard back <laughs> not even a Sorry, we're like not interested in doing this kind of thing. Just didn't hear anything back. So I, the only reason I count that as a failure is because at least I put myself out there and just nothing happened. <laughs> That's really interesting because um, one of our last guests before you was working on Arsenal around that time. To pass it on. Yeah, maybe it was him. <laughs> maybe it was him. <laughs> Forward us the email, we'll forward it to him and we'll see if we can make something happen. But Will and I do need a cut. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what would your dream project be? Second Spider-Man. <laughs> or Assassin's Creed. Definitely Assassin's Creed. Because I've read him from Spider-Man, so definitely Assassin's Creed. Okay, cool. And lastly, why should we hire you? Ah, well, I believe that I have the technical ability to uh, achieve most, if not any, animation, uh, motion, movements, and uh, body physics and expressions, uh, obviously with the aid of reference. But the other thing that I do bring to the table is my own ideas for you know, character animation. Uh, I had to say that in my own acting, I bring character to my characters. You've got the job. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sam. It's been so lovely like meeting you and getting to know you and hearing your story. I know. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sam. You've been amazing, man. This is great. You've been listening to This Is How, created by Nominet and Liberty. If you're feeling inspired, head over to thisishow.uk where you can find out more helpful tips and career advice. While you're there, you can also take our This Is How quiz to uncover more about what you're good at and what job roles could be a good match for you.